Today is May the 6th, the 6th of May, 2017, and this is episode 63 of the Hillcrest Duo. I am Metal John. You can follow me on Twitter at Metal John Radio, and join with me, as always, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all, from Lamont, Illinois, French for the Mountain, yes. it is Brad Risto. At Outsider Brad on Twitter. All right, Brad. Well, this episode... Is a big one. We talked about it last week. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 released uh, this weekend. Uh, the early screenings were Thursday, May the 4th. I saw it at 7 p.m. Yep. Because I was releasing Star Wars. Um, and, uh, of course, it's going to kill box office probably for the next few weeks. Yes. Especially when all the hype uh, that just keeps extending and people go see it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so this is going to be our... Review of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. There will be spoilers in this review, so if you have not seen the movie and you want no spoilers, then do not listen. Go pause away. It, pause it, go watch it, then come back and hit play. Yes. So we are going to spoil Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2, share our thoughts. Before we get into the, the film itself, mm-hmm. let's talk about the previews before the film. You yeah. went to one screening, Imagine. I went to another screening. I'm sure we saw some of the same previews. We played both saw a few different ones. Yeah. But... The big one, Star Wars, Last Jedi. How yeah. about it? I, I really liked it. I think it's the one that I'd already seen, but still, seeing it in the theater with all the surround sound and all the accoutrements, really, really good to see. Yeah, that, that was awesome. It made me want to see it um, even more. And I, I mean, it's coming out in December. I mean, I know. It's we're, coming... we're talking maybe like 20 podcasts from now, and we'll be having a review. Exactly. It looks um, really good, really fun. Um, uh, other ones I saw was um, Kingsman 2. Saw that one too. Looks awesome. It looks really awesome. I look forward to seeing the Statesman, yeah. the American counterpart. Yes. Led by, uh, lo- looking like it's led by the ever awesome Jeff Bridges. Yeah. And, well, I mean, and Matthew Vaughn, I mean, we've talked about Kingsman on this podcast before, and Matthew Vaughn, I mean, He's done some really cool, like gritty action mm-hmm. movies, like Kick Ass, and 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 you know the first Kingsman movie was was a lot of fun. So I'm really pumped for this. Um, also, uh, I saw the trailer for Spider Man and Thor. I didn't get Spider Man, but I did get Thor, and I hadn't actually seen the Thor trailer yet. So for me, when I saw the scene with the Hulk and he goes, "Yay!" I work with him. I actually did laugh. I did not laugh. Well, because you had seen it probably already. Yeah, but I, I didn't laugh the first time I saw it. You see, I enjoyed it because when you see um, uh, Chris Hemsworth... I feel like she crushes the hammer, though, in the beginning. When you see Chris Hemsworth's face when he recognizes the Hulk, I'm like, oh, that's awesome because he's kind of dumb. And it made me laugh. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an easy laugh. I That's why I, one of the reasons why I'm going to say I like Guardians of the Galaxy so much, but we'll get into that right. um, in a couple of uh, moments here. Yeah, I also saw the preview for uh, the updated new trailer for Dunkirk. Oh, I did not so, get that one. Looks so badass. I like, think I only I had three trailers. I think oh, really? I, oh, yeah, we got like six. Well, you, Every that, theater chains runs their trailers. Yes, Imagine only had three, because obviously our start time was seven. By 7.12, the movie started. Oh, yeah, so our show time was at 7.15. By the time the show started, it was probably 7.35. So you win. You saw it first. Yay. I saw first. I win. I win. I'm the best. I'm the best. Um, all right. So let's get As into I it. Guardians of the Galaxy. 
Volume 2. Uh, did you rewatch the first one to kind of get a Well, actually, since it was on the television the night before, I did, in fact. It was on FX. I did not. Um, but FX has the movies. But, uh, yeah, director James Gunn, he did the first one, did the second one. Uh, you know, we both really loved the first one a lot. And, mm-hmm. and, of course, you know, when you have a movie like like the first one where it's so good and so many awesome things about it, it's really difficult to follow it up with something just as good or better. So, right. first thought, was it just as good or better? Um, it was um just as good for me, yeah. I agree. I, I agree. I smiled. I smiled. My um, uh, I smiled throughout the entire movie. That is the one thing I can say about this movie. I was smiling throughout. I had a big, stupid, goofy-looking grin on my face from start to finish. I would say my my favorite thing about the movie was definitely the humor. I mean, oh, the, it was flipping hilarious. PG thirteen. You know, uh, humor. Uh, Dave like, Batista stealing every scene they allowed him to be the center of comedy. So we've talked since this preview came out, and even last week we kind of had our predictions of Guardians of the Galaxy. My biggest worry was Baby Groot. Was Baby Groot going to be in the movie too much? Was they Were they going to try to, like, overuse him? Because and just, he had become a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, and, and were they... Basically, I told my friend I saw the movie. I was like, "Are they gonna make him Jar Jar Binks in this movie?" And they like did not. overuse him and make me hate him. And you know what? They used him 100% properly. They, they exactly. got the, They did the dancing Groot at the beginning for the credits. I'm like, okay, yeah, actually, that's kind of funny because you have this great epic action battle going on behind him, but it, your opening credits, just him dancing. I can dig it. Yeah. And then when you did see him, he was doing stuff. He went and got. Yandu's a um, backup uh, mo- mohawk. He set the bomb to save the day. He did things, and it wasn't overuse. It was him just being a character in the film. Exactly. And and then you and then you think about it. You hit up on the point of David Batista. I, dude, he's the funniest thing in the movie. He's funnier <laughs> than Peter Quill. Yes. His laugh. His laugh ah, is funny. Ah, 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 ah. He. She just told everyone your deepest, darkest secret. You must be embarrassed. Ah. <laughs> he, he, his laugh. I mean, but, every but scene the, he was in was Just the great. obliviousness because he like he's the he's MVP funny. of the movie, right? Oh yeah, no doubt he's the MVP. And just see, and I thought, call- and I'm I'm sitting here going to the movie thinking they're gonna force Baby Groot to be the MVP of the movie. No, and I'm gonna end up disliking this movie because of it. Nope. And nope. Baby Groot was in the movie just enough. Yeah, I saw your tweet that you just um, had some popcorn, have a mouthful every time he says, I am Groot. You didn't get to have much popcorn if you nope. played that game. <laughs> threw, threw it in the garbage. No. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's funny. But, yeah, uh, man, he was that was so good. But, um, no, him um, completely um, being mean to the um, girl who cl- clearly has affections for him. Oh, he yeah. just doesn't realize it because he's – well, he realized Ma- it. He's Mantis. Mantis. <laughs> I thought she would fail. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, let's all right. I want to talk about some of the characters. All right. Okay. Let's yeah. So let's break let's them down about, one by one. Let's talk about one. some of the new characters. First, biggest new character we get to meet. We finally meet Peter Quill's dad, uh, Kurt Russell, played by Ego. Played he by played, Kurt Russell. plays Ego, the Living Planet. 
kind of an interesting concept there. I'm not very familiar with a, a lot of the Guardian storyline, comic storyline. Well, so he's a celestial. I just kind of go through it. But, yeah, so he's a living planet that has taken a human form. Yes. Conceived Peter Quill with mm-hmm. an American woman, living the dream, going after American women when he could have all the other women on all the other planets. And he's got to come to our did, planet. Well, he did go after all the other women. Oh, that's you, right. And he... And then he they, they, those ones just could, didn't have the spark of life in them. Uh, I would have loved to have seen how he killed some of them. That's what I would have seen. Well, you kind of did. I mean, you saw what he did to Peter Quill when he was trying to keep him alive. Put hooks through him. Just made him a dang battery. Yeah. But, but uh, no, uh, you know what? Because this is one of the issues where I've seen a lot of people give mar- bad marks to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. That instead of it having a strong, consistent villain, because let's be honest, the villains in this movie are the Sovereign, obviously, the the Gold People. I suppose the Ravagers... Not very threatening, if you ask me, either. The, the, the Ravagers, a bit. Yeah. Um, Nebula-ish, because she jumps back and forth a couple times. And then, obviously, you get the who becomes the big bad, Kurt Russell's ego. And the problem is, yeah, they don't they didn't think the villains were that threatening, but... One thing they said about it was it allowed the character to be more of a character study as you got to see it's a character-driven comedy that just happens to have some battles in it. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I I didn't really have a problem with the lack of big-time villains. Because we've we've hit on that a bunch of shows, bunches of times where you need a big villain, you need a big villain. This one didn't quite have it. It didn't have, like, Wilson Fisk from Daredevil. But it had a villain who was definitely imposing. I mean, he's and, a guy. and I think they kind of replaced that need for a big time villain by giving you so much comic relief and having yes. and having basically instead of the movie set in one spot, you know, you kind of had them traveling through space and and going to different planets and and interacting with other characters. And in the meantime, you kind of have some of these overshadows where where it, I won't say it's a predictable movie. But you kind of have an idea. When you first meet yes. the gold people, you're like, all right, gold these people, people these people are going to... They're, ego, they're egocentric jerks. But another issue is the conflict isn't really against a big, bad guy. The conflict in this movie uh, exists in Rocket um, uh, trying to um, uh, not push people who care about him away, as that was one of the big th- things. He's a jerk to everyone, and that includes the people who are his ostensible family, and obviously Peter Quill accepting that while he didn't know his biological father, he did have a daddy in Yandu his entire life. It was mm-hmm. more about character and these people growing, not necessarily beating a big bad guy who's trying to take over the, well, I suppose in his case, trying to destroy the world. Yeah, I mean, and really, they were just kind of also more or less establishing themselves as as a team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, see, and, you know, they kind of... Overall, learned a little bit about how they need each other. Yes, everyone more, got more to th- grow. Yeah, I mean, they, they learned and how th- they got a, how they really do need each other. Because mm-hmm. um, let's analyze it. Um, uh, Dave Bautista's character gets a romantic interest at by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Solid character well, growth. Mantis, yep. Um, Gamora um, learns to learn that she was not a very good sister to her sister and uh, is more accepting and of her. You know what? Honestly. The, that relationship between the that two sisters great. that was probably my Once one again, of my favorite more one of my char- favorite it's more of a character driven story and then obviously we already discussed it was about um uh, 
Rocket um, accepting his new family and not pushing them away and not wanting to lose them now. And Peter accepting the fact that he did have a father figure his entire life, just wasn't the one he knew. Yeah. And turns out his real father is a bit of a D-bag. And not human. Not human and <laughs> gave his mom cancer. Yeah, gave his mom cancer. He's not human. Um, so, yeah, he's not a real dad. Okay, so, but <laughs> let's... <laughs> but going back, to, going back to the sisters, though, oh, yeah. man, like, what was great about that is, you know, you're sitting here, you're like, all right, so this sister... She, always one. You know, yeah, she's always, you really kind of get that, it's weird because it's cliche because it's a Disney thing to have, like, like Frozen, like two sisters that have conflict because one's more liked than the other. And, you know, it's your typical Disney princess storyline. It is. Think about it, which is kind of told in the comic book form. And again, I thought that that, their two, their relationship and their storyline like, I would say I was that probably more was... interested in that than I was in Peter and his dad. Yes. You know, or, you know, uh, or Mantis and, and Drax. Like, I was more interested in, in that in that storyline. Well, it was a great dynamic. Just the way it changed from the beginning to the end. At the beginning, and then, you know, where... you kind of knew that they were going to come together and, and, and come well, to terms even... with each mm-hmm. other by the end of the movie. Again, a lot of the stuff in the movie is predictable. Like when you first meet Ego yeah. and he's like, Hey, I'm your dad. You know, I've been looking for you forever. I kind of thinking to myself, like you could have found him a long time ago. It's more, why a, are you choosing to find him now? Like I said. I'm thinking there was more motive behind him looking for his son, but then you're also thinking, okay, something's going to go wrong here. He's going to, they're going to turn on each other. Like, you know, it's about the journey. It's yeah. not necessarily where you end. It's about how the journey is told. And this movie tells the journey. Great. Yep. I, I, you can't agree can't agree with you anymore on that. Um, I I you know and, and you know this movie also had a lot of good speeches in it. I think my favorite yes. speech, Kurt Russell when he was talking to or ego I should say when he's talking to Peter Quill and he's using the song Brandy by Looking Glass yes. as kind of like the platform for the see, listen to the song and he's saying the lyrics out loud with the song. You know, you're a fine girl. What a good wife you would be. And he's talking about how that compares to, like, his life. And in a way, you almost kind of feel a little sympathy for him. Yeah. You're like, I get it. Like, I get why you but, didn't stay on planet Earth with her and, and, and raise Peter like a normal family. You just didn't know why he did what his greater goal was, which was, I'm going to destroy the universe. Jerk move there, ego Big jerk move. Yeah, well, again, that's something you don't want to tell a girl on a first date. Yes. <laughs> well, my end was my goal. Well, my I, goal in five what do you, years. What I want to do with your life. Five uh, to years. Be honest of, with you, I want to destroy the universe. And I want to. And do I want it to have with, a planet with my face on it. Yeah, and when I and I also want to have a baby with you and have the baby help me destroy the universe. Is that cool? Is that all right with you? If you don't like it, I'll just give you cancer. <laughs> and I love that. I love the fact that by by that point, Peter Quill. White literally had stars in his eyes and was listening to everything Ego had to say. Just finds that one thing out. No quip, no nothing. Boom, boom, just blasts his face off. Yeah. And I, then I mean, uh, then when, when he's trying to reform, he's like, I picked a form you would like. He becomes David Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff. <laughs> Speaking becomes, of the Hoff. Becomes the Hoff. Did you, did you listen to the song at the end of the credits? Uh, it was, you were think, I was thinking the whole time, I'm like, oh, what song are they going to play in the credits? I'm like, I do not know this song. Like, it wasn't, wasn't like a 60s song. Most people weren't. They're just. I, I, I know, like, me and my friend were kind of digesting and yes, talking and you a little were bit talking. about the movie. 
Um, Never you know, hassle the Hoff. While waiting for the clock, but the end credit song, David Hasselhoff is singing that song. <laughs> if you listen to it, it's a song that was written by James Gunn, the director of the movie. Nice. And they even, if you look at the song credits, they refer to the song as called The Guardian's Inferno by the Sneepers featuring David Hasselhoff, which is a non-existent band. I love um, it. But yeah, so if you do go see it a second time, pay attention to the song. That's David Hasselhoff singing that song. Guardians Inferno. I just um, I just loved the insults that everyone was throwing at Rocket, though. Oh, oh fine. You're not a raccoon. You're a trash panda. Yeah. <laughs> a trash panda is a good is, one. Is that and worse? And Mantis is like, can I pet your puppy? <laughs> and Drex is like, and yes. <laughs> triangle faced um, a monkey. Yeah. And uh, then he just hit his face. Aww. Yep. Poor Rocket. Poor uh, Rocket. I but, loved Rocket. Bradley uh, Cooper was I, you great. You know, I... I think I told you about this on my last podcast, and I looked at the soundtrack. I was pretty excited that Jane's oh, Americans yes. okay. was going to be I, I in it. Ta- I want to talk about the soundtrack because I want to talk about the fact that they used the Fleetwood Mac song twice, and when they used it at the climax, when he everyone that looks like everyone's about to die, I'm like, wow, I've never thought a Fleetwood Mac song could be that damn powerful because <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. Well, I thought the best use of the music was definitely Jane and the Americans come a little bit closer during the montage of them. Uh, break it out of capture and, yeah. and the arrow just kind of whistling through like you know the entire song is playing but then you're hearing all the whistles and the arrow just going through everybody yes. uh i thought that was pretty awesome and i love that jam you know jam um, americans um uh how were the duck made an appearance yes, again so did i'm um, uh stan lee talking to the uh, to the watchers speaking of that um so I was reading that there was a lot of rumors about Stan Lee because he does all these cameos in all the Marvel movies. And a lot of people had thought that Stan Lee was actually playing, uh, is it Utah the Watcher? Which Utah like, the Watcher, yes. A lot of people had thought that that's who he's playing because that character still might be. goes to Earth and observes things. Yes, he's the Watcher. And reports it back to the Watchers. And then you get this scene where he's actually talking to the Watchers. So it, And he's can, telling the story of being a FedEx guy. Can we say it's pretty much confirmed? But a lot of people are still, I, I mean, they, they won't necessarily say he is, but the fact that he was telling the stories to the Watchers like kind of makes it a little weird because isn't he, like, why would he tell the stories to them? Isn't he the guy who's just supposed to collect the information? Well, he has to report back. So yeah, that's that'd be a very interesting like kind of twist because we always thought the Stanley cameos were just like inserted as like little yes. jokes. Can like, we talk, like talk about gag. another cameo though? As you mentioned it, seeing Sylvester Stallone in a Marvel movie when he was um going on playing about, an like, actual character. Yes, too, by the way. playing one of the original Guardians of the Galaxy, Starhawk. Starhawk, but he had no idea what the hell he was saying in his first scene. You could just tell it's like there were words on a script. He's like, okay, here I go. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with a lot of the characters in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, it, apparently it, there's a lot of them. It was, because, a, C, um, it was a C or D level comic when it first Bing, came out. Bing in the Rains 70s. made an appearance as well. Yeah. He's playing a major, well, I wouldn't say a major character, but he's playing a, a, a known character. Another original Guardian. Yeah, and uh, Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Okay, but no, it was a lot of cool um, cameos. I do have a question for you. Were you kind of like weepy at the end when Yandu died? No, because I was. Not me. So I do want to talk about that. Because I thought, I thought that was very powerful and w- very well used. I do think that they kind of kind of stretched it out too much, but I did have some uh, feelings, some um, uh, weepy emotions, but it quit, it dissipated, and it was gone before this movie ended. 
So here's here's the thing for me. Like uh, this would probably be one of my if I had to like point something out that like I really didn't like get or really didn't connect with me. I didn't. I I just didn't feel the whole Yandu Quill like coming together, being you know like Quill I, Quill realizing that he had a father the whole time in, in Yandu. And then, of course, Yandu dies, and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, I just didn't get that emotional connection when watching this. You see, I and got I don't it. know why, but I just didn't get it. Like, it, to me, it wasn't, like, it wasn't tragic. or mm-hmm. I mean, it almost felt forced. It was almost like, we're going to force you to feel sadness. We're going to show this, you know, powerful moment, this death and this burial and this, this firework display. Like, we're going to – and to me, I'm well, just thinking I, myself, I'm like, eh, it's just a I get it. I get like, it. I, I, I can dig that. I they were able to hook me in. They didn't get you. It was a but they I hooked in a lot of people though. Like I've, I I've actually seen it was some a comments forced. on Twitter about oh so tragic. So I tears. Grab your tissues. And I'm like you know maybe if it could have used. I, a bit I guess more. I could say this. I could say if Yandu had played like if you kind of like if maybe if the audience saw that Yandu had really good intentions for Peter Quill. Throughout the first two movies, the first one and if we saw it as an audience, well, we kind of saw it in the first. But one, I mean, I, I mean, I feel like I, I didn't like feel they sorry needed for it, him. They needed it That's more. What they the need. first. I, I needed to feel sorry for him so that his death like felt. More and throughout tragic. the second one, he was on Peter Quill's side. They needed to do it a bit more in the first one with him, him maybe showing him, him allowing uh, the Guardians to get away a couple of times. But I get, I get your um uh, criticism. If they were able to get me in, but. You know what? I'm an I'm an easy mark. <laughs> I'm usually an easy mark too. I mean, I'm, I was a little sad when 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 Alfred thought Bruce Wayne died. See, I didn't care. They? I was a little sad there, but you know, and that's a funny. But then again, it was Bru- then again. There's, you could still. I love how that Alfred an failed him. For, yeah, I was gonna say I love how that's got a, a, an opening for debate on if he really did die or not. You know, there's yes. still that opening there. But I still don't know whether he died. I just think he was seeing things at the end of that movie. Yeah, nobody knows. he's a crazy old man. Nobody knows. But back to Guardians. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty pumped. And, you know, while uh, while kind of taking some notes for, uh, for our discussion, I noticed that um, the Guardians are listed on IMDb as being in the Avengers Infinite War. Yes. So it looks like we're going to have some more uh, some additions I, to the as, next Avengers movie. As we um, uh, see that um, uh, Nebula leaves Including the Including Mantis, by the way. As we see Nebula leaves the group at the end of the um, uh, movie, she's chasing down Thanos, and Thanos is on a collision course with Earth. Who do you think ends up calling the Guardians? Nebula. Bingo. That's my prediction. As I suppose we can use uh, the discussion of Nebula leaving the group to go into the end credit scenes. <laughs> Yes. Uh, let's talk about what was um, probably my the funniest one for me, and that was Teenage Groot. Now Teenage Groot, yeah. I well, am I'm... not boring. I am Groot. Yeah, Just, I, like... I I did enjoy that as well. Um, I, I, and again, that also was a little bit more of a relief for me because I'm like, oh, baby Groot's gone. He's, He's teenage up Groot now. now, so no more. No more. That, like, do you, no, do you no. realize what that means from uh, Infinity War? He's going to go through. Oh, and I love how Groot went through puberty. Did you kind of catch the yes. puberty 
I'm he kind of had like the his voice was changing as he was saying it. I'm that, like, yeah. That means he could be teenage Groot in the um, Infinite War one, so he could be a bit annoying in it. That's gonna be awesome. Or maybe he becomes buddies with Spider-Man. Both teenagers. <laughs> Yay! Both teenagers. BFFs. Yay! Pound it. Yeah, they'll have a podcast together. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, obviously the most significant um uh, end credit scene was um Aisha. Saying she failed and the cocoon of Adam Warlock yeah. is the most significant for implications for upcoming movies, at least for the next Guardians movie. And it doesn't do much, but it sets up a powerful character who might also be in uh, Avengers Infinite War. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting. <laughs> and then, of course, you have the Ving Rhames part as well yes and um oh wait i forgot about one joke that made me laugh out loud oh it's a zune it's what they're listening to on earth now oh yeah did you... the zune <laughs> well I... did you notice the device that peter quill had when he was like tracking his friends that was actually an old like tecmo oh, bowl no, like... No, it was um electronic football yeah yeah but no, the, the fact Tecmo Bowl that, before Tecmo Bowl. Yes, electronic football, and that I had that game, and I was good at it. But it was just great to see some of that stuff, and just laughing. I, that's one thing I can't wait for um, uh, Peter Quill to get to Earth, and whatever kind of music device he ends up leaving with. Yeah. Do you think he's gonna get an iPhone? Do you think he's gonna get get him a Galaxy S4 that will explode? Or I could actually see him It'll like, be some like kind of start listening tech. to some like newer music. Like like he like listens to like Jay Z. He's like, what the hell is this crap? Oh yeah, yeah no, one like... more joke that's gonna be great, just absolutely great. Captain America correcting correcting Peter Quill on a pop culture reference. <laughs> you know you're gonna see it because Captain America's been in the present for a while now. He's no longer a man out of time. Yeah. Peter Quill will be, or at least a man who isn't up to date with the most recent Earth stuff. That's very true. So this could be, that's going to be a funny scene, just the deadpan. I, I mean, how are they going to fit all this into an Avengers movie? I mean, is well, there's be a two hour movie? It's two movies. Okay. It's parts one and two, remember? Remember? Remember Berries? Yeah, I forgot. I can't wait to see it. But no, uh, this but... was a, in my closing thought, great movie. I had a smile on my face the entire time. I will admit the epilogue drags on a little too long. They could probably could have cut a bit of that off, but it's definitely worth your time to see. You will be laughing out loud throughout the entirety of it. Definitely something you want to see. I would say I loved the second one. It's right on par with the first one. I feel like maybe I like the first one still a little bit more. Well, you can't but, top the first. But the second one, the humor kind of the, the humor alone really kind of overshadows all of like the down points of the movie right and the down points for me is like you said the epilogue being kind of stretched out a little bit where maybe you could have trimmed that up a few minutes i mean maybe there's a couple other moments where you could have trimmed up a few minutes mm -hmm. but um yeah just a great movie all around just something very solid, very worth I, um, seeing. It's definitely worth going to see a second time. I oh, mean, and I will. I mean, I'm... other than Alien coming out this month, I don't know what else there is to go see this month. Not but... much yet. So, yeah, both of us highly recommend this movie. Everyone should go see it if you haven't yet. And if you're listening to this podcast, my guess is you have seen it and 
If you have your own thoughts, make sure to um, add some comments to our um, uh, comment section. Always glad to hear from you. Yep, sounds good. So this is episode number 63 of the Hillcrest Duo. I am Metal John at Metal John Radio on Twitter. With me always from Lamont, Illinois, the home of the best garlic fries you can get in the entire state. Maybe even the entire Buttered garlic fries from the lemon tree. I I need some in my life. I am Brad Risto at Outsider Brad on Twitter. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back in, well, next week. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Hillcrest Duo. (laughs) 